Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here today. As Cody mentioned, we are in the middle of a Christmas series that we are doing called Once Upon a Time. And as Tim mentioned last week, that we are such creative geniuses, we decided to steal the title of our Christmas series from a fairly popular TV series that's out now by that same title. So how many of you are familiar with the TV series Once Upon a Time? All right, there's like five of us, so great. So the first service knew a little bit more. So if you're not all that familiar with the TV series, let me explain it just a little bit to you. So the idea behind the TV series is they take all these fairy tale stories that we know of, fairy tale stories like uh, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, Cinderella, Snow White. They even use some of the current fairy tale stories like uh, Frozen, but please don't sing the song because it'll be in my head. Thank you to our tech team for all of us. The rest of the day, you're going to be singing Let It Go in your head. So hopefully you can move beyond that one. We apologize. So anyway, the concept behind the TV series is take all these fairy tale stories that we know, and the TV show suggests that maybe we don't know all the story like we think we do. Maybe there's another story behind these fairy tales that we're not all that aware of. And so the TV series goes on to explain the stories behind the stories of the fairy tales that we know. Now, when our Christmas series came along, that concept grabbed me and I thought, you know what, the same thing happens with our Christmas story. You know, there's this Christmas story that we think we know, but do we really know the Christmas story? It seems like there's another story behind it. There are other stories behind the story that we think we know. And do we really know what happened on that first Christmas? Do we really know the world that Jesus was born into? Do we really know the the players that helped this first Christmas story unfold? And I think that many of us don't really know the story behind the story. And so that's what we're trying to do in this series. We're trying to explore that real Christmas story. Now, last week we started that with Tim did a great job of helping us see the story behind the story of the angels and the shepherds and the role that they played in that first Christmas story. And, you know, when I think about that and I think about God sending the angels to announce the greatest birth of all times to these shepherds that were out in the fields watching sheep. And I think, like, I wouldn't do that. If I were writing this story and I wanted people to believe it, I wouldn't send angels to shepherds. I would send the angels to wake up all the kings on the planet earth and say the king of all kings has been born, but, but God didn't do that. God announced the greatest birth of all time to these ordinary shepherds that most people in the community would not believe. So the shepherds would come into the community and say, listen, we got to tell you the angel showed up out in the field to tell us that Jesus, the Messiah, has been born. And they would say, yeah, you've been drinking too much of that stuff again. You've been hanging out, making up stories around the campfire. Most of the community wouldn't believe the shepherds. And so I wonder, like, why would God send angels to the shepherds? And I'm so grateful that he did because I don't know whether you feel ordinary or not, but often I feel like a pretty ordinary person. And God sent the angels to announce to the entire world that the gift of Jesus is for all of us. Whether you feel like a king or you feel like an ordinary person, God sent Jesus 
for all of us. And I'm so grateful that he did. So it's great to know that a little bit more of the story behind the angels and the shepherds and the impact that that can have on our lives even today, no matter how you feel, again, whether you feel like a king or you feel like an ordinary person. Now, today we're going to look at the story behind the story of the king that is uh, ruling over the region during the time of Jesus' birth. And Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, tells us a little bit about that story. Um, His name was King Herod. And verse 1 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. So let me tell you just a little bit about King Herod so you're a little bit more familiar with him. Maybe you don't know a lot about him. He was born around 74 BC, and he's known as Herod the Great. So one of the reasons that he got that nickname, Herod the Great, was from some of his building projects. So he was known as one of the greatest builders in Jewish history. I'm going to show you some pictures of some of the things that he has built, and we can still see him today. First thing that's going to come up on the screen is uh, this is called the Port of Caesarea, So what Herod did was he took a little fishing village and he turned it into this major port of of interaction between him and his kingdom and the kingdom of Rome. And so uh, you can go there today, you can still see, you can still see some of the ruins that are there. Amazing accomplishment that he has. Again, over 2000 years later, we can still see a glimpse of his work way back then. Now, the second thing that you're gonna see is a fort at a place called Masada. Now, King Herod built several fortresses so that he could escape to if he was being attacked by another kingdom, a stronger kingdom, and this is one of them. This is one of the ones that is virtually impenetrable. You'll notice that it's built on this high cliff area. There's really uh, very few ways in, and they would always have the upper advantage over their enemies. So if their enemy came to attack them, they would have the higher advantage over the enemy. They could stay there protected for a long time. It is believed that that King Herod had enough supplies in that fortress to last 10 years. So if he were under attack, he could go hide out for 10 years. And hopefully by that point, the other armies would be like, oh, forget it. Just stay in there. We're, We're not coming after you. Now, One of the other things that Herod built is known as the Herodian. Here's a a picture of that. So the Herodian was this mountain that he built, and the mountain became a fortress. And so he built this huge fortress. It has hundreds of acres. It has pools, has places to live. There was a a town in, in that area as well. So he just built this huge complex to tell everyone around, anybody around, they'd look around the horizon, they would see the Herodian and they would know that Herod was great. So, wow, look at Herod, the impact of Herod. Look at all that he has built. Herod's a great man. Now, Herod was not only known uh, for his building projects, he was also known for his brutality. He was a very brutal man. Uh, It's recorded of him that um, he was willing to do anything to get what he wanted. He was willing to commit any crime to get what he wanted, Uh, He was known as a madman who wasn't afraid to murder his own family. So he murdered his wife, one of his wives, and he murdered several of his kids because they were threatening his kingdom. He even murdered some of the religious leaders because they didn't like how he was living. And so he said, well, let's just be gone with you. So he was known as a very murderous king. 
And it appears that behind the greatness of Herod and his brutality stood this insecure king who was afraid that someone was going to come along and steal his kingdom from him. And we'll notice in the story today the lengths that he will go to to protect his kingdom. Now, we'll pick back up in Matthew chapter 2. It says, About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So he called a a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, and he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, King Herod had no intentions of going to worship baby Jesus. He wanted to know where baby Jesus was so he could send his soldiers to kill baby Jesus. Verse 9 says, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him, and then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Now, Joseph was Jesus' earthly father. He appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Get up, flee to to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord spoke through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Now, meanwhile, in verse 16, it says that Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers. Now, just see what he's about to do here and how uh, insecure he is as a king and how threatened he was by Jesus. So He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based upon the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal actions fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted for they are dead. What I have learned about power in Rome is this. It is rarely just given to us. Power in Rome is seized violently. It is like a piece of ripened fruit taken by force from the branch. And then that power will cost you literally everything to keep. I am Herod, king of Judea, a king 
who is unquestioned, a king who is feared, a king who will not be usurped. I have carefully crafted this reputation, each step calculated to ensure that the people would know my power and fear my name. Such a reputation is not easily built. No, no. Those close to me, my brother-in-laws, my wife, my sons, have attempted to take my power, to take my throne, and I have ordered their executions. I will not tolerate a threat to my throne, especially not from those close to me. No one will take away my God-given place from me. For that reason, people think I am crazy. But I am not crazy. I am in control. I know quite well what I am doing. I am a king protecting his throne. Anyone who trusts those closest to him will find a knife in their back or poison in their cup. I will not be such a man, for those men do not make history. So when the Magi came seeking the one they call the newborn king of the Jews, you could see why I was quite disturbed. Yes, because I am the king of the Jews. The Jews live in Judea and I am their king. And a kingdom can only have one king. Who is this child to be called king of the Jews? He will not take my throne. He will not threaten my reign. I have executed my own family. This vulnerable child with no one to protect him will not stand against my kingdom. So King Herod was a brutal man and he wasn't afraid to kill little babies just because he was threatened by this gift to humanity uh, called Jesus, the gift of Jesus, God in the flesh who would come to save the world. Um, you know, you think about that first Christmas and you know, how uh, wonderful it, it must have been. Sometimes we think that when we look at the Christmas story and yet think about all the people that lost the lives of their little boys, two years old and under. It wasn't a moment where they were celebrating the arrival of God in the flesh. It was a moment of, of great terror in their lives. Jesus was born into a very dangerous place. And you know, most people weren't excited about the arrival of the Messiah. And most people didn't even really understand what he was going to do, what he was about. And you would think that people would be excited. You would think that, that humanity, who has been looking, the, the Jewish people have been waiting and looking for the Messiah to come. And you would think that with the understanding of God in the flesh being here to rescue his people would have been an exciting thing, but it wasn't. And again, most people didn't understand what he was going to do on planet Earth. I, I think the wise men understood that. I think that's why they traveled so far. I think Mary and Joseph had an understanding of what Jesus was going to do, even though they didn't have the full picture. I think a few other people understood that, but most people didn't. And King Herod certainly didn't understand what Jesus was going to do. And he did everything he could to kill God's great gift to humanity. So... If you were God and you had the ability to pick the time and the place where you would bring your son into the world, would you pick that time? And would you pick that place? Would you pick for your child to be born in the Middle East under the rule of a brutal, brutal king? Or would you pick a little safer environment? Over 19 years ago, my wife and I had our, our first da daughter, our first child, and 
when she was born, we did everything we could to just make her life as comfortable as possible. Uh, we got her room ready weeks in advance. We bought you know, all diapers and wipes and little outfits for the first year of her life and all the toys that she could ever imagine playing with. And when she was born, I mean, we took care of every possible need that she could have. She got a bath every night. Every time she cried, she was scooped up and she was rocked to sleep at night. And we just did everything we could to make her life just, just enjoyable. And by the time our fourth child came along, things were a little different, you know? If you have more than one kid, do you understand that? So, you know, our, our poor son, he, you know, he comes along and he's got three big sisters and, you know, he's wearing his sister's hand-me-down clothes until he's old enough to figure out, hey, like, I don't see any other boys wearing this stuff. And, and uh, you know, he's nine and yeah, he's probably had a couple of baths in his life. I'm not sure, you know. Every couple of months we ask, when's the last time you had a bath? And he's like, I don't know. You get in the bathroom, you got to clean up. Now, if, if I were God, if you were God, I think we would write this story a little differently. I think we would pick a different place to, to bring our firstborn into the world. Uh, I think that we would pick a, a, a safer place. I would want my oldest to be born into a palace, you know, with a, a strong king who could protect my oldest child. Um, and yet, God didn't do that. God sent Jesus into a very dangerous world where his life would be threatened from the moment he was born. And I wonder, why would he do that? Why would he pick that place? Why would he pick that location? Why would he pick that king for Jesus to be born under? And there's some things I think that we can learn uh, from God's choice to do that. And I think one of the first things is that God sent Jesus into a very dangerous world to rescue us. He sent Jesus into a very dangerous environment to remind us that Jesus' primary mission in life is to seek and save those who are lost. His primary mission is to step into the dangerous positions of this world, the dangerous environments of this world to rescue us. Why did he come when he did? Why did he come where he did? I think it was because he wanted to communicate to all of us, there are people here in a dangerous environment that I love. So he could have been born in the safety of a palace and you know, the, the security of, of wealth and the security that all that, that wealth could bring to him. He didn't have that. I think he came again to communicate very loudly to all of us that no matter what situation you're in, no matter how you feel, no, whether it's a dangerous environment or not, whether it's a, 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 an evil environment, a sinful environment, doesn't matter. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. He didn't run from danger. He didn't run from the evil that, that this world uh, corrupted itself with, that we have corrupted ourselves with. He ran towards us. He started that mission of saving us from the moment he was born. Another thing that stands out to me about this story is this difference between King Herod and King Jesus. And you look at that major uh, difference between these two. So you've got Herod living in an immaculate palace, and he's got all these palaces to, to live in, and he lives in the, this Herodian that stands as a reminder to everybody how great he is. And where was Jesus born? He's born in a stable born in a little stable in a little town called Bethlehem. And you may not know where Bethlehem is, but Bethlehem is just on the outskirts of the Herodian. So it's interesting. From this stable where Mary and Joseph are, baby Jesus is born, 
they could look out and see the greatness of Herod. They could look out and see, here's this mighty king and this mountain, this palace reminds us of his greatness. And again, where was Jesus? So they turn and look at Jesus in a stable, in a manger. And he doesn't have anything that this world has to offer. He's smelling animals as his first aroma in life. Herod has everything that our world could offer. Everything that most of us look at and go, ooh, I want that. That'd be great to have. And Herod left us all these things that we can be reminded of. We can look at the Herodian. We can look at that fortress at Masada. We can look at that port at Caesarea and go, wow, look at what Herod left us. He built all this stuff. It's still here 2,000 years later. And what did Jesus build for us? Nothing. What did Jesus write? Nothing. And yet Jesus left our world changed forever. I mean, we can't bump into, we can't go into any part of our day without bumping into the influence of Jesus. When you look at your calendar next, you are bumping into the influence of Jesus, how Jesus has radically changed our world. Our calendar is built around Jesus, God in the flesh. Jesus has transformed millions of lives and continues to transform lives every day. And maybe this Christmas, Jesus just might be able to transform your life. Or maybe someone that you love, who you know needs to be rescued by a savior who's not afraid to step into the dangers that this world has to offer. Last thing that I'd like us to look at this morning is the difference between the wise men and King Herod. So the wise men, they, they've searched for Jesus and they traveled many miles to find Jesus and they found him because they were looking for him. And you've got Herod, on the other hand, who has Jesus living in his backyard in the shadow of his palace and he can't even find Jesus. He doesn't know where Jesus is. He hasn't been studying the scriptures to find out where Jesus would be born and when he would come. Herod had been spending all of his time building his kingdom and worried that someone was going to take it away from him. So he spent more time focused on his kingdom and his stuff instead of God's kingdom and God's stuff. An interesting thing about Herod is that he was a descendant of Abraham. Now, let me give you a quick little history lesson and then explain why this is important to this story. So there's this guy named Abraham. Most people have heard of him. God came to Abraham one time and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Uh, you're going to be the father of my nation, the Israelites. They're my specially chosen people. And Abraham said, that is cool, but one problem, don't have any kids. He was 75 at the time. God said, I'll fix that. It took 25 years for God to fulfill that promise. When Abraham's 100 years old, he gives Abraham and Sarah their, their first son named Isaac. Isaac grows up. He marries a girl by the name of Rebecca. They have twin boys. Their twin boys are Esau and Jacob. So from Jacob's line, we get the Israelites. We get that nation, the, the nation of the Jews. And from Esau, we get a nation called the Edomites, Right, now, the interesting thing about the Edomites and Herod is that Herod was an Edomite. So Herod was a descendant of Esau, a descendant of Isaac, and a descendant of Abraham. So why that's important? If anybody should have been looking for Jesus, it was Herod. 
If anyone should have known the ancient scriptures and known the time frame that he would be born and known uh, where he was and how to go and find him, if anybody should have been more interested in finding Jesus and worshiping him, it was Herod. But he wasn't. He was afraid. He was afraid of this baby that God sent into the world. And so he did everything he could to kill God's gift to humanity because it threatened his kingdom. Now, most of us aren't threatened by Jesus, but I'd like to ask, are you looking for him? Are you more like the wise men who are doing anything and everything you can to look for every possible clue that'll lead you towards Jesus or lead someone else towards Jesus? Or are you more like Herod, uh, caught up in building your kingdom? And too often, we're, we are all more like Herod, myself included. There are many moments that we're just caught up in building our career, our, our, our family, our reputation, accumulating things that we think will bring us pleasure and security in our lives. And so often, we just miss out on the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And that's the gift of Jesus, the one who will meet every need that we could ever have. So again, are you more like the wise men? Or are you more like Herod? When Herod died, his accomplishments died with him. Uh, his building started to, to decay, and you know, we see the ruins there. Uh, not a whole lot of people know much about Herod. Maybe you didn't know much about him before you came in this morning. And really, all that most people know about him is, oh yeah, he's the guy who killed babies at Christmas time. But Herod could have been known for so much more. And you think about the time frame that he was born in and what happened, what significantly happened under his leadership. The God of heaven, the king of all kings was born in his backyard. He could have been the earthly king who introduced our heavenly king to the world. He could have spent his time building God's kingdom instead of his kingdom. But he missed out on that opportunity. And the same can happen for us. We can miss out on the opportunity that God gives us to introduce our heavenly king to the world that we can be like the wise men. We can be the people who search for God, who search for clues of Jesus and find him. We can be like people who say, listen, I'm, I'm not gonna worry about building my kingdom. I'm gonna worry about building God's kingdom. I'm gonna worry more about introducing people to Jesus than people knowing me and, and maybe the stuff that I can accomplish in this world. But the choice is up to us. So this Christmas, Will we be more like the wise men? Or will we be more like Herod? Will we spend more time building our kingdom? Or will we spend more time building God's kingdom? Now here's just one way that I think that we can be like the wise men this Christmas. I think this season would be a great time for us to invite people to hear about the real story behind the Christmas story, the story that we all think that we know. So 
So I think we all should invite people to our Christmas service next Sunday. And we've got some cards available on your seats to help you do that. So just, if you would, grab, grab one of those. It's just a, a little invitation card, and it says on the front our title, Once Upon a Time series, information on the back. And I encourage you to, to take a handful of those and hand them out at work, at school, at home. Hand them out in your, your neighborhood. Hand them, hand them out wherever. Hand them to your, your mailman. Um, you know, they won't go too far if you stick them in the mail, but, you know, maybe your mailman will, will get it and, and want to come. Now, you know, when it comes to inviting people to church, some people are like, yeah, I love it. Do it all the time. And other people are like, ah, no, I'm not real comfortable with that. You know, some of us feel like if I go into work and invite someone to a church, they'll think like, you believe that fairy tale? Like, you really believe that stuff? And I won't know what to say. I'll feel a little bit weird. If I go invite my neighbors, I mean, my neighbors aren't going to come to church. They'll just think I'm one of those whacked out Jesus freaks, and, and they're not going to come to church. So if you feel that way, I understand. I mean, I really do. I've had similar feelings in my life, and I have invited my neighbors to church for 11 years, and one has come one time. And uh, so guess what I'm going to be doing this week? I'm going to be inviting my neighbors to church. And I'm going to take a handful of these and I'm going to go home and I'm going to make my way around my neighborhood and I'm going to go up to the door and ring the doorbell or see them in their garage and say, hey, I'd like to invite you to a Christmas service. And they're going to see me coming and it's going to be a little awkward, you know, for them and for me. And, you know, they're going to think, oh man, here comes the bald guy again. He's going to invite me to church. And look, he's got those cards in his hand like he does every year. And doesn't he get the clue? I didn't come last year or 10 years ago. I'm probably not coming this year, but that's okay. Because the Bible teaches that everyone lives forever somewhere. Like when we die, we're going to live forever somewhere. We either live in this real place called heaven with God, or we live in this real place called hell apart from God. And I can't stand the thought of one of my neighbors spending eternity apart from God. It just makes me sick. It makes me want to do something. Like, I've got to do something about that. God's placed me in this neighborhood to be a light to these people around me who desperately need a relationship with Jesus Christ. It would just eat me alive for them to stand before God one day and to hear him say, yeah, depart from me. I never, never knew you. And for them to look around and see me and go, like, that was my neighbor? Like, he's going to heaven? That guy? And for them not to have an invitation. So I'm going to invite my neighbors. And maybe this year, one of my neighbors will come. Maybe they won't. I don't know. It's between them and God. But it's my job to extend an invitation and help build a bridge for them to the creator of the universe, the one who sent Jesus to die so they can live. So I hope they'll come. Now, I hope that you'll uh, join me in inviting your friends, your family, people at school to our Christmas service. It's, it's usually a time of year people are a little bit more open to coming to church. Um, and I'll make a deal with you. If you invite people, we're gonna do our best job to make sure we put together an engaging service. We've been working really hard on our Christmas service already and, and we've got some great elements. And I, I promise you this, you know, people won't fall asleep, okay? So just, you know, tell your friends you're not gonna come, fall asleep and we won't make them feel awkward and I will do my very best to present the gift of Jesus as clearly, as simply as possible so your friends and your neighbors will have an opportunity to respond to the gift of Jesus this Christmas. So if you're up for that, I encourage you to take a handful of these and hand them out this week. You know, after this week, they're no good. So, um, so hand them out this week and let's, let's be like the wise men this Christmas 
Let's look for Jesus and let's help people find him. Now, next week, we are going to celebrate communion together, and we are going to look at the story behind the story of Mary and Joseph, and there's some amazing elements to that, so I I hope that you'll come back next week as as we do that, and then we celebrate communion together. So if if you would, um, we're just going to pray together and ask you to close uh, uh, your eyes and bow your heads, and I'm going to pray, and then our worship team's going to come out and guide us in a closing song today. So let's pray together. God, there's so much behind the the real Christmas story that we don't know. Uh, You sent Jesus into a very dangerous world to rescue us. And Lord, there are some people today in some very difficult uh, situations of life and they need rescuing. And I think you want all of us to be reminded that, that Jesus, your mission in life was to come and rescue us from those dangers. And Lord, I just pray this Christmas season, people would understand that Jesus, you're our savior. You came to save us. You came to rescue us from the sin of this world, from the sin of our lives. And I pray that people would just open their eyes and open their hearts to being rescued by you. And Lord, I pray that we would be like the wise men that we would recognize the many clues that point us to you. Lord, I pray that we would be more about building your kingdom than our kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would point other people around us towards the greatest gift that humanity could ever receive, the gift of Jesus. And Lord, it, it could be weird for us, you know, at work or at school or at home, we go invite people to church and they may just think weird things about us that we're those Jesus freaks. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness that we need to go and share and just invite people. And Lord, I pray that their hearts would be open. Lord, I just am a firm believer that everyone is just one crisis away from open up, opening their heart to the gift of Jesus. So Lord, I pray this Christmas season, people would respond and they would come. Lord, I pray that they would hear an incredible message, this, the gospel, the good news that is for all people. And I pray that this Christmas we would be able to add to your family through people who accept the gift of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Give us the boldness, I pray, and give them open hearts to respond. Help us to be like the wise men and point people towards you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Epic. And thank you for joining as we continue on in our Once Upon a Time series. My name's Cody Anderson, and I am the student leader, or I'm the leader of our student ministry surge here at Epic. Got that. There we go. Somewhat a student. Um, (laughs) I have a few announcements before we get started. If you could pick up that sheet right next to you, and we'll go over a few things there. Now, if you're new with us here at Epic and this is your first time, we ask that you just stop by our Connection Center after service on your way out. Uh, we just love to personally meet you and answer any questions that you may have here. Now, I want to thank everybody for participating in our giving tree. Um, there were several aspects that you guys helped provide as we went through that. So we were able to, um, to help out 26 families at Epic and in our community here with gifts and gift cards. 
And they showed their appreciation. I thank you guys for that. But there was also a couple more aspects that you guys helped provide. Um, On Tuesday, we're going to be providing a bagel breakfast for our local police officers and the dispatchers. And also, you guys gave a ton of diapers, wipes, and baby clothes for Alpha Pregnancy Center. So you guys went above and beyond what we could ever imagine. So if you could, just give yourself a round of applause. Thank you guys for showing God's love and being for Flagler. We really appreciate you guys. Now, if you call Epic your home and you would like to give back to what we're doing in the community, there's two ways that you can do that. You can do that online at theepicchurch.com or you can give in the giving boxes which are directly behind you. Now, next Sunday is gonna be our Christmas service which is December 21st. Um, And we ask that you invite friends, invite family members, invite neighbors. This is going to be our celebration for Christmas at this time. Um, And then the following week, we're actually not going to have service, which is going to be the 28th. We're going to surpass that one and take a little break. And then on the 4th, right after the new year, we're going to progress and go ahead and start again after that. So put that in your schedules. We will be sending out reminders also, and they'll mention it next week just to let you guys know. Um, But just putting that in your calendars for us. Now, before Trent comes out and we continue on in our Once Upon a Time series, I'd like to go ahead and pray for us. Father God, I just, I thank you for our church family, Lord. Just the the willingness to give and give back to others, Lord, to represent our community and your children, and just to have the heart of you. I just thank you for blessing us with them here and just what you're doing in their lives. Now, as we go through our series, Lord, I just ask that you speak to us. Just as we learn about the people that surround Jesus and the impact they made and the decisions that they made, I ask that we can learn from them, Lord, that we can show love through this holiday season, that we can show compassion, and that we could choose just to learn more about you and grow in our relationship with you, Lord. So I thank you for bringing your son down here and giving his life, Lord. I thank you for blessing us. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.